Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Tuesday upon us with some lower numbers in the corn and the beans and the wheat as well, except for the Minneapolis March wheat saw some positive endings to the day. Just to give you an insight on our livestock side, cattle and feeders have, of course, finished to the lower numbers, but the hogs had some positivity and that positivity uh, continuing for part of this milk contract as well. You remember yesterday we were talking about some limit up trade happening in the milk side of action. Well, we're going to take a look what's been happening on this grain market today. A lot of factors that are going to be moved in today, including no surprise what's going on with Ukraine. It is muggy. It is uh, stress on these crops in some areas. We're going to talk about what that's going to mean. Not as much for the report we saw of yesterday, but the report we're going to see this coming Monday. Lots to look at, so we're going to dive right in with Jeff Peterson. Jeff is with Heartland Farm Partners. So let's kind of see what did you see as the main driver? What was the thing that really kind of caught your eye as you look at the market for today? As we sit back and take a look, Susan, uh, first of all, I just want to kind of just talk about the market just a little bit overall. If you look at how the market traded, we actually, even though we were down on corn and down on beans, I'd say this overall was a really good close compared to what we had. And you go over and you look at Chicago wheat, Chicago wheat uh, ended up closing positive at one point. You know, it would have been uh, about 24 cents uh, lower than where we are at right now. You know, it closed up about three. We also, over on the soybean complex, we did see bean oil close, uh, you know, about a half a cent higher on August and about a quarter cent higher on September. And I had meal up actually $6.50. So we've got a little bit of a tailwind coming from the energy market. But as we dig in and look at, you know, what's going on out there, we, we know when we look at the Ukraine situation, I, I think some of the items in there, it's really progression. So just let me unpack a little bit about what I mean by that. So a week ago Monday when the grain corridor ended, we then ended up seeing uh, Russia proceed to continue to hit some of the ports in around Odessa. Uh, Choromors and also Prindivy, you know, didn't get hit, but Odessa did get hit. And then, you know, a number of nights. Um, and then from there, then we ended up seeing, uh, the Danube River get hit. And, you know, that's really what gave our, our market the boost that we did yesterday. Now, a couple things that's interesting, um, on the Danube River, the, the reason I think that that ultimately is a big deal is the fact that that was another step of progression that we ended up seeing Russia take. And it's like, okay, so what are they trying to do? Are they trying to stop all exports regardless of, of where they're coming out of, out of Ukraine? And, and that's a possibility. Now, the Port of Rennie, which is actually on the Danube River, which would be one of the low, uh, largest ports that uh, Ukraine would have along that river. Keep in mind that that port is loading out uh, small ships, probably have got, you know, 500,000 bushels on them. They call them coasters. They're also loading some barges to go on down to Constantino, which would be the port that uh, Romania operates. And uh, the, the other thing that happened when, the, you know, they did the bombing is that, in addition, you've got concerns now about, well, who's going to navigate up the Danube River? Um, and there's still ships. And amazingly enough, that actually uh, that port's back up and running uh, here today. It is loading. It's got some ships inbound to it. And uh, But the question becomes, at what, what price? Uh, what's the cost of the insurance going to be to get ships to come in there? And uh, how does that change the overall competitiveness of what's coming out of Ukraine? 
And then overnight, you know, we were kind of wondering what else would happen. And, and Ukraine did um, mixed reports out there. They either used drones or some unmanned uh, speedboats loaded with explosives to, to try to go ahead and attack one of the uh, Russian patrol boats that was out in the Black Sea. Now, the, the Black Sea boat, that Russian boat, was able to destroy either the drones or the speedboats. And, and depending on who you read depends on what the report is or what it is. But I think going forward, what it says is that we're going to continue to see battles back and forth between Russia and Ukraine. And, and ultimately, each seem to be a little bit more aggressive. And that's going to add more volatility to this market, Susan. So you say that the, the ships are loading, and I can't imagine the insurance process that's going on for all of this to try to get them moved out. But what happens if... They can't move the ships. What happens if that grain can't be shipped? Because it's more than just moving grain. As you and I are talking before the show started, there's some hunger that's involved with some of this grain movement. Oh, yeah, there, there definitely is. And so, you know, you, you dig into that and you say, okay, so if they can't go out by the ocean, if for some reason they'd get caught, you know, or I shouldn't say ocean, out of the Black Sea. But if they can't uh, can't go out those ports, then from the basically rail side, if something was happening there, you know, they still have to the West and on into Europe. And even though you had a number of countries within Europe saying, hey, we don't want these bushels to come into our individual countries, they still will let them go through their countries as long as they're going to export. But a couple things we want to look at and we're going to have to start wrestling with is that, well, what is forecasted to come out of Ukraine for that 2023 crop? Because we know we've got crop, but the big focus is really on the 23 crop. And currently USDA coming off the July Lazi report would have Ukraine plugged in to ship out on the export side about 767 million bushels. So all of a sudden, if those bushels aren't available, then what you have is that, you know, that opens up the possibility to either come out of the U.S. with those bushels or out of Brazil. And right now, Brazil would be some of the cheaper bushels. They'd probably get that. But by the time we get out there to harvest, though, I mean, the U.S., we should be in a place where we should be able to be competitive. But in addition to that, Susan, uh, over on the wheat side, They'll, they're penciled in to ship out about uh, 386 million bushels. And the other part is is that they're also you know slated to ship out some sunflower seed meal, uh, about 3.9 million metric tons. And that represents about 46% of the world's exports. And on the sunflower seed oil side, you know, they're forecasted to ship out about 4.75 million metric tons of, of oil. That would be 38% of the world exports, Susan. All right. We looked a lot from an export global perspective. Stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to kind of bring the circle in a little tighter. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on, uh, crop condition ratings as we look forward. What are we going to see maybe come next Monday? And, you know, you can't grow a crop without some decent soil moisture. A lot of things that we're going to look at from a crop growing perspective in these markets. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Here's an update on what's going on at Fontenelle Hybrids. We're combining with the Channel brand and the other nine regional brands to create a new enhanced Channel Seed brand. And we're excited to announce your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer will be carrying select Channel products this fall for the 2024 growing season. That's an expanded product portfolio with the same great service. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer for details. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon, of course, with Jeff Peterson. Jeff is with Heartland Farm Partners. We kind of talked about the global unrest and how that's really factoring into this trade on the front half. Now we're going to bring it in more locally. And we know that the heat advisories and all that is happening in the upper Midwest. There's some weather concerns that are moving into that. So that makes you think crop ratings. So let's first of all look at the latest crop ratings, Jeff. Kind of how did you think things looked for this crop as we move forward? You know, it's interesting. So as we come in and ended up having the ratings come in at 57% good to excellent, that was unchanged from last week. You know, the trade was looking for it to be up about one. We were thinking they'd be kind of unchanged. But it does start kind of painting a picture for next week. A lot of precip out there this last week, but there was some in pockets, you know, as you go across the whole corn belt. But uh, temperatures were really, really pretty good overall for this time of year. Now, we know going forward we're going to have some warmer temps. We'll talk about our expectations in a minute. But a few things that we want to highlight, individual states, Illinois, for instance, uh, they did improve four. Iowa was down one. Minnesota, because they've been dry, uh, down six. Nebraska was down one, and we're on the corn side. Ohio was also off four. Then we move over to the soybeans. We know the soybeans are a crop of August, so we've got you know, a little time in here yet, but they're moving along. The blooms are increasing, so it's getting to a time where their water usage is ramping up also. Now, their conditions overall, they were down one at 54%. Good to excellent. Trade was looking for them to be kind of steady. few individual states, we ended up having Illinois was up four. We had Iowa was unchanged. We moved down to Minnesota. Minnesota was off seven, so that was one, you know, one more than what they were on the corn side. And for Nebraska, we were actually up three. North Dakota was down four. So overall, we're seeing a little bit of pressure being put, you know, on these conditions. And and it's hard to maintain conditions from this time. Generally, what we see, especially now going forward on the corn side, we know in some cases we've reached that peak water usage there. But as we move from that vegetative state to the reproductive state, as the tasseling is, is done, as the silks are browned and we're going into that ear field stage, normally we start to see it that crop condition work down over time, Susan. So looking at, obviously, this week's going to add some interesting pressure because there's not been a lot of moisture that has fallen. And there's been some spotty showers. Do you think we could see some drastic changes next week and maybe enough that Chicago might sit back and take attention? Yeah, that's a great point because that's really what this is about is that what, you know, what is Chicago thinking? What are the traders thinking out there as they go forward? We do think because of where really the topsoil's at and subsoil moisture's at and that we were just kind of sitting on the edge in many areas with whether we've got enough moisture in the, the soil to get us to that next rain. You know, we think that conditions could be down three to four on corn and probably something similar on the soybean side as we end up seeing those numbers come out uh, next Monday, Susan. How's soil moisture looking? What are you hearing from folks? Yeah, you know, we're, we're hearing in certain areas where they did get a lot of rain, you know, they but there's not a lot of those areas. You know, they're sitting... Okay, but as we dig in, uh, we we track it and the weekly crop progress numbers that come out every Monday afternoon. You know, a lot of great information. Not only does it talk about the condition of the crop and and ultimately the stage of the crop. As you get towards the back, there's topsoil and subsoil moisture information. And as you dig in and look at some of the key states on the subsoil, what we try to focus on and keep in mind, subsoil is everything below that six inch level, and and the we focus on the very short and the short, and usually the reason we focus on that is that because when you get soil on the subsoil side into those categories, that's where we start having a, basically an impact, a negative impact on the yield. But for Illinois, Illinois actually did see an improvement. They were 
57% short to very short last week. They actually came in at 43%, but they were, uh, and they weren't the only one. We also saw some improvement in Kansas, improved uh, five, Michigan improved six, and we ended up seeing Wisconsin improve six. But then we flip over the other side of the ledger, and Indiana did get a couple worse. They're at 44% short to very short. Iowa actually got 8% worse at 63% short to very short. And then we come down to Nebraska. Nebraska was a couple worse at 58% short to very short. Minnesota, and keep in mind, they were one where the conditions on both the corn and the soybean side was off. Minnesota ended up. Um, they're six uh, worse now on the short to very short. They're at sixty-one percent short to very short. Susan, demand side of stuff. What's kind of catching your attention at this moment? Yeah. So as as we take a look, one thing that kind of caught my attention on the demand side is we take a look there. Um, exports. We haven't heard a lot about exports on the soybean side. But it was interesting. We had a flash sale, and that just means that, you know, that was a sale that happened, showed up yesterday morning. Um, actually, it was for about, you know, but it made me kind of start thinking about, well, where are we sitting there? And, and as we look at new crop sales, actually, right now, we're off about 65% compared to where we would have been a year ago. And this is the second worst start over the last 10 years. Only year that was worse was 2019, Susan. All right. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Jeff. Give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.